Hello, you beautiful person, you. This is Kingdom.Think, and we are pressing on with the Bible, and we are in Exodus 15, 16, Psalms 33, and Mark 5. Yep, Mark 5. Okay, um, let's just jump right into it, because we are here, and the Israelites are in the desert. It's so interesting, because there's so many things that you're thinking to yourself, did it have to happen this way? But remember, the Israelites were, have been in captivity for 430 years. They've picked up, uh, we're talking about generations have already died, and new generations have picked up Egyptian ways, the belief in other gods, a lot of the other culture. And they're very much, um, well, there's a lot of principles that are not established yet. So God's going to walk them through the desert and teach them certain things along the way. So what's interesting is this chapter starts with this song that if you, you know, we re- we read this and we go, geez, guys, why are you singing about all the the Egyptian army that was washed away in the water? And why are you being so cruel about the way you're singing about their death? And so that's a little bit disturbing, but <clears throat> it's it's their culture. So here we are. And another interesting thing on verse 11, it says, who among the gods is like you, Lord? And so you wonder, wait, do they believe in other gods? Probably because they were living in this Egyptian culture for so long. And then again, <clears throat> I, or something I noticed in verse 12, it says, you stretch out your right hand. You're going to hear a lot of times it references um, sitting at his right hand or referencing the right hand. Why is that so? Because the right hand is representing power and authority. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And I just want to let you know that when we come across that, that's what it's referring to. So that's what we're doing in chapter uh, 15. We are singing this song about the poor Egyptians. Um, And then we move on to 16. Remember, God is teaching them things as they go along. And here in chapter 16, they're saying, we're hungry. They're just grumbling and sniveling. And um, the Lord says to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat. And in the morning, you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. And sure enough, there was these quails that came along and the people were allowed to eat. And then there was these sprinkles of flake things that came from the uh, sky. And they were able to turn that into bread and they called it manna. And God said, just get enough for the day. Don't hoard And sure enough, what do they do? They hoard. And the food that they hoarded for the following morning, because they were living in a a scarcity mindset, uh, this desperate, anxious mindset. So they hoarded their food. What happened to their food the next morning? Turned into maggots. And it, it was smelly and maggots. However, on the sixth day, God said, go ahead and store up more for the the following day. So he's walking them through teaching the these principles. So yes, he could tell them, okay, don't forget, you're supposed to rest on the Sabbath, rest on the seventh day, but they're not going to do it because those principles are not established. So he basically had to teach them. So he told them, don't just get enough food for the day. And then when they tested it out and they didn't obey, the food turned to maggots. But when he said, okay, on the sixth day, go ahead and get enough food for the next day so that you can rest. Sure enough, 
The food did not turn to maggots. It did not rot. So he was trying to teach the people that you're supposed to rest on the seventh day. Isn't that so interesting how, and that's so applicable to today. There's so many things that we're told, but unless we have an experience, it just doesn't sit. It's kind of like the way Jesus is talking in parables. It's like, why does he have to tell in stories? Because if you just tell someone, do this, don't do that, they really don't listen. And it doesn't sit unless it's in a story or they've had a personal experience. So here we are in the Old Testament. God is walking them through a personal experience so that these principles are very, very um, solid in their heart. And then we're moving on to Psalms 33. In Psalms 33, it's it's actually like a song. And I'll just read a little bit of it, and you can go back and read it yourself later on. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on a ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the, the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts them deep into storehouses. So it's really just a beautiful song. And then, of course, I like to read the end. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. That was Psalms 33. So we're moving on to Mark 5. The life of Jesus through the perspective of Mark. And remember, my interpretation is that Mark seems very quick to the point, not a lot of elaboration. And sure enough, he doesn't fail us here as well, where he talks about Jesus uh, freeing the man that was demon-possessed. So a man who was so demon-possessed that the city was terrified of him. They would try to tie up his legs, probably like when he was passed out or something. They would try to tie up his legs he would break free and he'd go up into the mountains and he was just shouting in agony and the people were terrified. Well, when Jesus was coming by, he, the demons in, or the man, the demons, whatever, came up, threw themselves in front of Jesus. And what did they say? What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. That's what the demons were saying. Interesting. And Jesus says, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. (laughs) That's weird. A large herd of pigs was feeding in the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000. So yes, there were 2,000 pigs that they went into. And they rushed down to the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Well, the people thought that was crazy. So what did they do? They go down and they start telling everybody about how Jesus is possessed. And um, and Jesus was getting into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed wanted to go with him also, and he said, no, go home to your people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis 
how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. There you have it. And then at the end of chapter 5, there is a a little girl who died, and they said, Jesus, come and heal her and raise her from the dead. So he's on his way to her house, but in the midst of the crowd, he's kind of getting swarmed by the crowd who wants to be healed. And then there was a woman who had uh, been bleeding for so many years, and she used all her money and spent it on doctors, and she just had no more money, and she just kept getting worse. She knew that just touching the garment of Jesus, she would be healed. And so in the midst of the crowd, she touched his garment, and Jesus noticed. He felt the, a little bit of power go out of him, and he said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, with their sarcasm as they are, they said, well, hello, what do you mean who's touched you? Everyone's touched you. Um, of course, Jesus ignored that, and he turned around, and she was you know, she was trembling in fear. And he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And she was freed from all that suffering of years and years and years. Well, um, he said, okay. Okay. And then at the end, he said, after he put them out he took the child's father oh oh yes so then he got to the house with the little girl and they said just forget it she's gone she's already gone and jesus says leave the room ta-ta leave the room and then he says to the little girl i say to you get up immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around she was 12 years old at this they were completely astonished he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Wow, powerful stuff. That's the end of chapter five of Mark.